And we will just open up in prayer quickly. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity that I have of sharing your word today, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful opportunity, but the massive responsibility, Father. So I preach this word in fear and trembling. I trust in you, Spirit of God, that you will minister your word in and through me as a humble servant, power, spirit, and truth, Father. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for your grace upon my life. I know I'm nothing apart from you, Father God. So I give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor for everything accomplished, Lord, in and through your humble servant today. I bind anything that would try hinder, restrain, distract, or interfere in any way, shape, or form. In Jesus' mighty name, if you agree, say amen. Well, family, um, apologies. We've been carrying on a little bit longer than normal. As you know, we had a few technical issues in that. But you know what? How many hours have you spent on social media this week? Amen. So, like, kind of just, just, just tell your neighbor, word rustig. Word rustig. You know, at least we can commit some dedicated time to the Lord and be joyful about it. Amen. Do you guys enjoy the praise and worship? Amazing, eh? Hallelujah. Jesus is building his church. Okay, family, so a couple of weeks back, we taught a message on uh, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. How many of you have listened to that message? Okay, how many of you did not listen to that message? Okay, how many of you agree they need to listen to that message? Amen. Amen. Very, very important message, family. Very, very important message. So although we're doing a series on faith, um, today we just kind of, the Lord has just instructed to just um, kind of do a, a little bit of a follow-up on without holiness. So we, we kind of got a few messages going. And uh, the title of the message is called Deadly Sins. Say Deadly, Deadly. Sins. So the first scripture of the day is Ephesians uh, 4 verse 11, the NRV. And it says this, it says, now these are the gifts, say gifts, Christ gave to the church. Wow, so Jesus Christ gave specific gifts personally to the church. Amen. What are those gifts, Jesus? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Wow, those are all titles, right? Amen. Representing specific offices of anointing. Amen. 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 What is their responsibility? To equip God's people to do His work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. So the main responsibility of the church, no matter what office the church is functioning in, is to build and equip the church. Family, the church is not to entertain you. Church is not here to tell you what you want to hear. It's here to tell you what you need to hear. Amen? Amen. And um, we have to understand that is the purpose of the church. This is like eternal life varsity. Amen? That's what the church is. You see, family, no amount of clever lines that I can give you or sensational messages or, or even spiritual tools or even display of the spiritual gifts means they, they're meaningless if you miss heaven. Right? 
I mean, we could, we could pull all stops and entertain you and, and do all of the cool and wonderful stuff and function in the gifts of the Spirit, and, and you guys are all uh, motivated and, and emotional and entertained, but if you're not trained and equipped and you miss heaven, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It's smoke and mirrors. Amen. Mark 8, verse 36, the New Living Translation. Jesus says, what benefit? What do you benefit? What does it benefit? What does it benefit if I give you the emotional messages, if I give you the sensational messages, if, if we do the display of the gifts, if, or, or I teach you how to function in the spiritual laws and you grow and you become prosperous and all this. What benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What does it help? What is the benefit? And is anything worth more than your soul? Wow. Other translation says, and what would you give back in return for your soul? Amen. You know, there's so many of us, we, oh, we don't want to do this. It's fine, so difficult to do that. And we can't get over this. And we can't get over that. I'll tell you what, if you've missed heaven, you standing at those gates of hell, you will promise to do everything right. And you will actually do it. But there's no second chances. There's no second chances, family. So the, 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 the absolute responsibility of the church is first and foremost to do everything it can, say everything it can, teach everything it can to prevent the children of God missing heaven. That is priority number one. Priority number two is to teach you how to function in this world, applying the spiritual gifts and that. But if we don't teach you the fundamentals, what's the point? Amen. That's just a lie. And family, the, the, the greatest reason most people miss heaven is unrepented sin. Say, say unrepented, unrepented sin. Now, family, we all have sin. All of us, you and you, not so much me, but some of you. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, no, but we all have sinned, family. Look, it's inevitable. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know? But if we live purposefully in the light, we establish a fellowship, a relationship. When we, when we live in the light and not in the darkness, we live in relationship with God. Amen? Amen? And when we living in the light, what does that mean? Does that mean you're not going to mess up? No, of course not. You're going to mess up. But if you live in the light and, and when you make mistakes and you, and you, you repent of those mistakes and you, and you grow and you, and you pursue the Lord... Then the scripture says, 1 John 1 verse 7, the New Living Translation, that if you are living in the light, not in the darkness, if you're living in the light, as God is in the light, amen, he's not in the darkness, amen, then we have fellowship with each other, we have relationship with God, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that wonderful?
we have this perpetual cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ of all our sins. So we don't have to go to bed and wonder, oh, did I, miss, did I not repent for kicking the dog or, or, or you know. Uh, uh, if you live in relationship with God, that blood of Jesus constantly washes you and cleanses you as long as you remain in the light. Amen. Isn't that wonderful news? But family, not all sin is the same. Yeah, the crickets. Yeah, pastor. No prat, you nonsense. No, no. Not all sin is the same, family. You see, some sins are a lot more deadly than other sins. There are some sins that lead to death. Tell you about deadly sins. These are the sins that if you don't repent from them, and if you don't grow in holiness, in overcoming them, these are the sins, the, the sins that can lead to death. 1 John 5 verse 16, the NIV. If you see your brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying you should pray about that. Amen? Not all sin is the same, family. Amen? So what are some of the deadly sins? Well, uh, in the teaching without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We looked at some of these deadly sins, some of these sins that are uh, dangerous to us, you know. Some of these sins that, that we need to repent for and we need to overcome. And uh, Romans 1 verse 28 in the ER, ETRV says, People did not think it was important to have a true knowledge of God. So God left them. And he allowed them to have their own worthless thinking. And so they do what they should not do. So here we see that people were engaging in these deadly sins. And they didn't retain the true knowledge of God. They didn't understand repentance. They just carried on and carried on. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's convicting them. And it gets to a point where the Holy Spirit says, well, you know what? You've made, a, you've made your mind up, essentially, Right? Because he will not force his will over yours. So these people have made their mind up. The Bible says their conscience are seared. Their conscience is not working anymore. And God leaves them to carry on with their own depraved minds, doing what they should not be doing. And then they, they think they're right, but they're just deceived. They're just wrong. Amen? They are filled with every kind of sin. Evil, greed, wow, hatred, they're full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lying, thinking the worst things about each other. They gossip and say evil things about each other. They hate God. They are rude. They're proud and brag about themselves. They invent ways of doing evil. They don't obey their parents talking about submitting to authority. They are foolish. Wow. They don't keep their promises. 
They show no kindness or mercy to others. They know that God's law says that anyone who lives like that should die. Whoa. You know, I, I mean, I can, like some of those, I get it. You know, like murder. All right, yeah, okay. I get murder. You know, hate God. Yeah, no, kind of get that. But people that don't keep their promises, people that gossip, people that are proud, people that are greedy. Wow. You see, we need to get a revelation of what the scripture is saying. Amen. Because a lot of these things are part of the norm of society. We, 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 we accept it as, as normal, normality. We, we, we've been desensitized to a lot of these things. So we need a revelation of what the scripture is saying. Because I don't know about you, but I, I, I need to rescue myself. How about you? Amen. So we're going to look at uh, some of these deadly sins. And we're going to look at pride. People that brag about themselves. I mean, that's normal. Isn't it? No. So none of you on Facebook? Huh? Not? Okay, so we'll skip that one. You see, family, that's, it's, it seems to be the norm. It seems to be normal. Everybody is proud. Everybody's bragging about themselves. And, and that's, that's like the norm. I mean, that's the foundation of all the social media platforms, right? And it just seems so normal. And, um, and most of the people that, that get on these platforms, you get kind of swept up in this, you know? And then there's this, there's this kind of need to, to fit in with everybody, you know? There's a kind of, there's this, like this desire to, to befriend what this is happening, you know, everybody is proud of themselves, and they here, they're doing this, they got this, they got that, and all of this, and so you kind of start doing the same. No one here? Maybe we should skip to lying. Okay, <laughs> lying. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> you see, family, you have to understand, the world system is a demonic world system. It really, really is. It's a demonic world system. And the more people get swept up in this and they try to conform to this system and trying to adapt to this system and trying to befriend the system, trying to look like they are looking, trying to act like they are looking, trying to do what they are doing, they are making themselves enemies of God. Literally. Because... God sees us as his bride. That's what the word says, bride, spotless bride. And um, you can imagine now, imagine if you had um, a bride or a bridegroom or whatever, and, and they stayed in a faraway country. And you worked so hard to, to save up money, and then you, then you, you, you paid for for a flight for them to, to come to where you are and arranging the whole marriage and preparing the marriage and you're getting everything right and you're expecting your bride or your bridegroom to, to be the good fiancé, right? But yet you find out 
that your bride or your bridegroom is, is going out and hanging out in the bars and, and watching strip shows and, and, and around people that are actually using your name as swear words and running you down and, 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 and all of that. I mean, how would you feel about that? That wouldn't be good, right? I mean, you, you expect your bride who you, who you sacrificed so much for, that you paid so much for, to be faithful. Amen. And, but the scripture says that, that when we befriend this demonic world system that against God, God sees it as though we are not being unfaithful, as though we are committing adultery. Those are heavy words, family. The scripture could have chosen any other words to explain this. You know, you're out of God's grace. No, listen. If you befriend the world system and you want to act and look like, like that demonic world system, you are making yourself an enemy of God because you are committing adultery in the eyes of God. James 4 verse 4. New King James Version. Adulterers. Wow. Adulteresses. Do you not know? Don't you get it? Don't you understand it? Are you so deceived and desensitized at this point that you don't understand that when you're a friend of God, when you watch the movies with the bless me, with, the, with everything that's against God, and you sit there and you hang out in these places and you do all these things and you're not keeping yourself pure, uh, pure for God, don't you realize that you're making yourself an enemy of God? You're committing adultery with the worst enemy of God? Don't we realize that? Therefore, whoever wants to, chooses to, be a friend of this world, they make themselves an enemy of God. Amen? Sure, that's hectic. So why pride? But well, why pride? Why is pride such an issue? Why would pride be such an issue? I mean, it sounds a little bit like, I don't know, just unreasonable, don't you think? Well, why would pride be something that God is so against? Let's have a look at this. Well, because pride is the original sin. Pride is where all other sin originates from. Every sin that you see committed in this world from babies raped to murder, it all comes from the root of pride. Let's read here. Ezekiel 28 verse 12. This is talking about Lucifer. You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz, diamonds, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day you were created, they were prepared for you. You were an anointed guardian cherub, very high ranking. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God, in the presence of God, in the midst of the stones of fire. You walked, and you were blameless. You were created blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness, the very first sin, was found in 
you. Wow. Now, this is so profound. You've got to get this. I mean, he was created by God. He was in the presence of God. Wow, he saw God's creation. He, he understood God's creation. I mean, he, he was not just wise. He was full of wisdom. He was not just perfect. He was the seal of perfection. I mean, he was perfect until something birthed in his heart. Let's see what that was. Isaiah 14, verse 12, in the ESV. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground. You who laid the nations low. You said in your heart. Remember? Unrighteousness was found in his heart. What did he say? I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mountain of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Wow. The original sin was pride. Amen? God hates pride. Whenever he sees pride, he sees every other sin that's been committed. Whenever he sees every other sin committed, he sees it goes back to pride. This is what caused this rupture in heaven where his archangel trusted. You see the scripture like God said, I created you so perfectly. Yet you betrayed. You betrayed me. You betrayed all of heaven. Not only did he do that, took a third of the angels. And corruption was started in the perfect Eden. Ever since then, it has been rippling through humanity. Pride. And family, I tell you now, pride is a terrible thing. Pride is not something that anybody's immune to. Nobody here is immune to pride, not even me. Pride is something that we all deal with. Pride is something that we all need to overcome. It's not a habit. It's not something that we deal with pride and that's it, it's done. It's something you have to deal with every day. Luke 9 verse 23, the New Living Translation says, If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must humble yourself. Give up your own way. Take up your cross once a Sunday. Daily and follow me. Family, every single day we need to crucify our flesh. Every single day we need to deal with these issues. Every day we need to take up our cross and humble ourselves. So we're going to quickly look at a few scriptural accounts of pride. We're going to see in scriptures where this fits in. 1 Chronicles 21, the New King James Version. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Wow. So we all know the story of David. David was a little shepherd boy sitting in the hills. And God sent the prophet Samuel to go and anoint him as a future king of Israel. From there, God caused him to defeat Goliath. And God raised this, this little shepherd boy into the king of Israel. And now David's sitting there, and he's thinking, man, I've done pretty good. You know, 
Look at all of uh, my followers, all my servants. And so he decided to, to, uh, uh, to number them. He, he started to number all of his followers on Facebook. I mean, man, I've got to get this right. All of his followers. Amen. So he started to become a little bit proud of, of, of everything that he's accomplished. And I want you to see right here that pride is demonic. Amen. Amen. Can you see that? Yeah. It's from the pit of hell. Pride is demonic. That's the Satan. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> so now, let's have a look and let's see what was the result of this. 1 Chronicles 21 verse 7, the New Living Translation. God was very displeased with the senses, very displeased with him counting and seeing all of his achievements. And he punished Israel for it. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking the census. Please forgive my guilt for doing this foolish thing. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, the prophet. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. David, you've got three choices. Now choose one of them, and I will inflict it on you. Whoa. So David, uh, so Gad came to David and said, these are your choices the Lord has given you. You can choose three years of famine, three months of destruction by the sword of your enemies, or three days of severe plague, as the angel of the Lord brings devastation throughout the land of Israel. Decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. David says, I'm in a desperate situation, but let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Though not, let me fall in human hands. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 people died as a result. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But just as the angel was preparing to destroy it, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, Stop! That is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Baruna, the Jebusite. David looked up and in the spirit, he saw this angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with his mighty sword drawn reaching out over Jerusalem. Family, God hates pride. It is a deadly, deadly sin. It opens up the consequences of famine and lack in our lives. Even caused destruction of our enemies, that's loss and stealing, and business and career failures, even sickness. But the terrible thing is it did not only affect David, like it does not only affect us, it affects those who are close to us. Did we see that? We're going to look at another example quick in Daniel 4 verse 28, the New King James Version. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. There was a word from the prophet Daniel about Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months after he got the word from Daniel, he was walking about his royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? Rings a bell, right? For, for a royal dwelling by my mighty power, 
and for the honor of my majesty. Wow. Daniel 4 verse 33. At that very hour, the word of the Lord was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers. And his nails like bird's claws. Isn't that amazing? As soon as Nebuchadnezzar got proud, didn't give God the glory for what God had allowed to happen in his life, immediately there was judgment upon his life. Such an incredible judgment that this man, for seven years, he was out in the fields like an animal, eating grass. He had literal feathers covering him, like hair like feathers. He had talons growing out of his fingernails. This is all true accounts. Then Daniel 4 verse 36 in New King James Version. At the same time, my reason returned to me. His reason returned to me. He realized. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor was returned to me. He got it all back. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth, his ways, justice, and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. See, God had no problem with him having all of that. The problem was his heart. Amen? Hearts of pride. Now I know all of you super religious people out there saying, Wow, Pastor Carl, that's the Old Testament, Pastor Carl. We're in the new dispensation of grace, Pastor Carl. God won't do that if we're prideful. Let's see. There is an account in the book of Acts. This is after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter was jailed by a man called Herod. And he was going to execute Herod. And the Lord intervened and, and, and Peter escaped. A little bit later, the next par- uh, scripture, it says that there was a, a public dispute between the people of Tyre and Sidon. And now Herod was going to convene this meeting speak to the people. Acts 12 verse 21, the New Living Translation. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, it's the voice of a God, not a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness. Because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. And so he was consumed with worms and died. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. 